Born and raised in Auckland but now residing in Melbourne, Ashley Scudder is of Samoan and Nguyen heritage but made a home for herself in Kapaka during high school. Although her dad spoke fluent Samoan, she was never raised learning either of her native tongues. Raising our authentic royals, aka RAW, is Ashley's own business in which she is working with our Pacifica people to grow their aspirations. In this episode, she shares her journey of finding where she fits in. Kia ora, I'm Eddie Arangi and welcome to Oho Mauri. Oho Mauri is where I'll be having kōrero with some kick-ass people who were raised urban and their journey to discovering their tuakiri. From stories of disconnection and loss of identity to finding themselves and standing proud in who they are. Come along with me on this journey of awakening the mana and power of standing strong in who you are. Tenatato, so tonight I have the privilege of having a conversation with Ashley. So as always, if I can get you to introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. Um he maunga o Tukukanga, ko Vasingango rawa ko Moana Nui Akiwa Toku Awa, ko Mangiangi rawa ko Toi Tukukanga, no Hamoa rawa ko Nui Aho, ke Ahitereidia Tukukanga in Naini, ko Faofo rawa ko Moliu Tukufana. Ko Wesley Toku Matua, Ko Tamalao Toku Fire, Ko Arihia Skara Toku Ingoa. Thank you for that, sis. So, through conversations, and, and like you just mentioned there, you are of Nawayan and Samoan descent, but you also grew up here in Aotearoa and you grew up around Māori quite a bit. Can I get you to talk a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, sure. So, um, born and raised in Auckland, um, I guess for the most part South Auckland, um, where to start with that, so uh, I'm the oldest of six children, so mum and dad had myself, uh, my sister Natalie, my brother Liam, and then uh, when I was about 16 years old, uh, Mum and Dad split, and then uh, Dad went on to have um, another family. So we've also got another two younger sisters and a younger brother. <coughs> um, growing up in Auckland, um, I remember moving around a lot um, as as a child. I actually counted today as I was just kind of familiarizing myself and I went to five different primary schools. Wow. Um, we moved around a lot um, based on, on what dad was doing work-wise. So, you know, if there was a, a better job, better hours, uh, we of course would move around to suit that, um, being the breadwinner. Um, just uh, yeah, pre predominantly as, as a kid, moving around through 
back and forth through East Auckland and South Auckland. Um, overall, I think I, I had a pretty good childhood. Um, I don't think there was anything that really kind of stood out as, as anything that maybe made us worse off or, or better off. Um, I feel like a lot of children in our generation were, what's the word? Um, maybe, maybe unaware is the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, basically our parents were part of that generation where they went to work, they came home and we went to school and came home and that's just how life went, you know? Um, primary school with all the moving around it did make it a little bit hard to I guess find where I fit in uh, with mum being UAN and dad being Samoan there was already I guess that inner kind of uh, turmoil of where do I belong? Mm. Uh, so mum, mum understands Nguyen. She doesn't uh, speak it as much. Dad is very fluent in Samoan. However, none of us kids were brought up knowing the language. Uh, so if we did hear it, it was through attending different functions. Um, I just, yeah, sorry, I, I was trying to figure out where I was going with that. It's all good. <laughs> but um, it was coming back to the, uh, the moving around a lot um, as a kid and, and just trying to find my place, where I belonged. Um, and just, yeah, somewhere where I felt like I was a part of something. Because uh, both my parents are, are from big families, uh, both one of eight, either side. Um, so in terms of like that immediate family, there was quite a few cousins that I grew up with. But very much a similar situation where none of us really grew up with any of that knowledge of where we came from or any specific uh, values or, or beliefs being brought up in our homes. So when I was reflecting on it a little bit today, I was thinking about whether or not there were differences in the schools that I attended and whether or not there I had a harder time at one over the other. Um, I could say that in my experience, I know that with there being more uh, Polynesian children attending schools in South Auckland, it was definitely easier for me to fit in when I did start at a new school um, in the sense of looking like the others. Yeah you know, based on my colour um, and people hearing my last name, being like, oh, yeah, she's an islander kind of a thing. Um, 
whereas in the ones that were a bit more towards the east side, um, you know, still had a couple of like Polynesian kids and stuff, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm cringing at the memory of like Balangi or uh, Pakia teachers trying to say my last name. Like to me, it seems so simple because it was three syllables. I was just like, far or four. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would cringe every time I knew they were coming up to my name on the roll because I'd be like, oh, they're going to say it wrong. And then some kid's going to turn around, probably a bloody Polynesian kid, turn around and make a joke of it and be like, oh. Uh, offer or something. Yeah. And then I, um, yeah, I remember, I think more towards, I'd say maybe 10, yeah, 9, 10, kind of just being, what's the word, like, maybe over it by then so it was just like oh well you're just gonna say it wrong so it is what it is like to the point of just being like I'm just Ashley F like just just say the initial you don't need to say the whole thing because you're gonna just stuff it up like don't worry about it so yeah definitely one of the things that was like more vivid with yeah, being in, in the East Side schools. Although I fit in a lot more because of the way that I looked in the South Side schools, I was a lot more prone to bullying at the South Auckland schools. Um, at that time, I was a big kid. Like, I, yeah, at 10 years old, I was already as tall as my mum. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> and I think I was wearing like size size nine or size ten shoes, and um, even my clothes. Like I think I was wearing like a size fourteen. But, oh. So I remember going to like going to school and stuff, and everything kind of being okay. And then yeah, you'd have like the the smart, cheeky mm. kids that would, you know, make some kind of joke either about how big I was or, you know, my feet or just anything to kind of get a laugh. Um, and I let it get to me for a long time. And then I think by the time I was, like, finishing up intermediate, I had kind of taken it and turned it around. Um, at first it was, you know, someone would say something and then I turn around and be like, yeah, I was built this way so that I could squash you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to trying to use it to my advantage in, in some way where it wouldn't make me feel like, yeah that I was like inadequate or whatever. I was trying to find ways where I could turn around and be like, so you're just jealous because you're supposed to be a boy and you're short ass. What kind of girlfriend wants that? 
Oh. Yeah, definitely um, started to come into my own by the time I'd finished or was finishing up intermediate. And it was also at that time where I could see the advantages of the way that I was built. Oh, yeah. So my my brother was born when I was about 10 years old. Um, and so my role in the household changed very quickly. So um, I guess to, to build a bit of a picture. So I've got mum and dad. And surprisingly enough, their, their roles were actually in reverse. So they both worked, but dad was the, I guess he was the more maternal one. So they'd go to work. Um, our grandmother and my, so my mum's mum and my mum's sister also lived with us at that time. And I remember grandma having one room, me and auntie having another room. And then my mum, dad and my sister had the big room. Mm. and yeah so they would go to work and they'd come home but dad would be the one that you know would come home make something to eat set the table you know get us all to sit down as a family eat clean up put the washing on and stuff and so it just kind of became normal for us to see that so we're like oh yeah okay and mum was the one that pretty much like she went to work, she came home, she ate, you know, she went to sleep, she'd, you know, shower and all that kind of stuff. But I guess, yeah, now when you're older, looking back on those things, the, their roles were the other way around, as opposed to, I think, a, a lot of other families. Um, I remember it being told a lot it was because mum did all the driving because how dad didn't drive yeah. and so that was kind of like the way they balanced it out because she would get tired from having to drive us around and do things um yeah dad's way of kind of compensating for that was to be more involved in the house <coughs> um and then yeah 10 years old and my brother was born and you know their their first boy and it was just like ah, the sun shone on him like nothing else <laughs> <laughs> and you know for us girls it it was the same for us too you know it was just like oh my god we have a brother we don't know what it's like to have a brother <laughs> um but I learned very quickly I remember um, coming home and then just kind of knowing once I walked through the door, there was like certain responsibilities that I had. Yeah. And so that was like walk in the door, go straight to the room and just be like, okay, like, does brother need a bottle? Like, do you need me to like change him? Like do anything like that while whichever parent was getting ready to go to work so like one would work day and the other one would work night to try and that make sure that someone yeah <clears throat> but yeah I remember at 10 years old mastering how to uh change a cloth nappy those 
safety <laughs> oh gosh seems like so long ago now yeah. Yep. yeah I mean I remember having to like clean them off and and then putting them in the um the bath to soak <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. So yeah, when when I wasn't helping or, or tending to my brother, um, I'd be cooking, uh, and I remember, I think it was must have been form one, when you start to do like technology at school, and I remember going to a cooking class, <laughs> and we were making scrambled eggs. And I stood there and I was kind of like, oh, is this all we're making? <laughs> and um, the teacher was like, oh, what do you mean? And I was like, I know how to make scrambled eggs. Like, I do it all the time. <laughs> she was just like, oh, okay. Um, well, that's that's kind of what, you know, the whole class is doing this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay no that's fine like I just thought I was gonna learn something new um and so I kind of picked up pretty fast that there were a lot of things that I knew how to cook and do that my peers didn't yeah um, and that was obviously because of the responsibilities that I had at home and then I guess that's kind of yeah kind of like the segue into what high school was like um, I remember my third form year being, it was a little bit scary, um, and I think it was because um, we had moved again, and so we ended up living in Māngere, but I didn't know anyone, I didn't have any friends that had moved like from my intermediate like I did, to a completely different area, so you know, while my friends were going to, I was like, oh, it's changed its name, but uh, what used to be Penrose High School. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know. Country Hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got like younger cousins and nieces and nephews that go there now and I'm like, where? Yeah. And like, Tree Hill? And I'm like, they call it that now after the tree's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, you know, get into this high school and you know everyone's like oh it's gonna be fine you're gonna make friends like you know you're a nice enough person um you know it'll just take a little bit at the beginning when you start to meet people mm. I'm just like I don't want to meet new people like I hate this like I did it so much when I was younger I didn't want to have to do it again like I even remember one time trying to um, negotiate so that I could go to Otahu College because I was like I'm bound to know at least like a handful of people that will go there and they're like no like it's too far out and I'm like I'll catch the bus <laughs> like please and they're like no Ashley like you already have to walk to get to Mangani and I'm like oh you just don't understand like you're ruining my life <laughs> And then, yeah, somehow I did. <laughs> I got through third form and then it was almost like, oh, I 
I can't even think of how I could not have been here or could not have come to this school. Like by then I had made friends and I was starting to build, you know, those relationships. And it was like, okay, like I'm starting to fit in and I'm not feeling so, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we came back in the full form year and yeah, I think during all my feelings of inadequacy in third form, completely missed the boat of polyfest and <laughs> and cultural groups. So by the time it came around in fourth form, I was like, oh, well, I want to do that. Like, yeah. Because like over the years when there were functions, like my grandmother would get me to learn a you know a small routine or something but I never understood it it was just learn these actions and do it it was never a but what does that mean and what's the significance of doing this and that movement and those kinds of things and so when Polyfest came around I was like oh okay uh, hmm what do I want to do and so yeah, there were a couple of different options for groups and then I was just like do, do I do where I'm from and then there are two like I can't be on both groups <laughs> I mean how do I decide and I was just like oh mm, I don't know I very quickly had ruled out the Samoan group and the reason for that was I think I was the most scared of being in the Samoan group and being told that I was plastic Mm. because, yeah, like I didn't know anything. Like I maybe knew hello, goodbye, thank you, maybe had a count. And of course, all the bad words, because that's what you do growing up. You learn all the yeah. bad words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think because it was the one that I was most scared of, of having any kind of confrontation or any kind of feedback where I would be told that I was, yeah, not it. Um, I was just like, yeah, no, steer clear of that. Mm. And then that then quickly moved into, well, the same applies for the Nguyen group. Like, I don't want to do that either because there's going to be other people that are like, you're not Nguyen. And then, you know, the, the friends I had at the time, they were all kind of like, oh, we kind of want to do this, but maybe not. We don't know which group to do. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, oh, they're doing they're doing a kapahaka group. I could probably do that. I was I was in the culture group at, at like, intermediate, and, I, yeah, I could probably try that one. Yeah, I'll try that one. So tried out for kapahaka, and was able to perform in that group and that pretty much is where it all really began for me like 
I felt like I had become so accepted and I had found my community. I'd found where I belonged and it didn't matter that in terms of the blood that was in my body, in my veins, you know, it didn't matter that I wasn't Māori, but they were just like, you're a freaking Islander and you want to be in the Māori group. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I want to learn how to do the poi. I want to do the haka. Like, yeah. And they're like, okay, all right. Um, and so, yeah, that very quickly adapted into my identity. Mm. So kind of anyone who I guess wasn't a part of my close circle of friends um, all assumed that I was Māori. <laughs> so whenever there was like conversations and I was brought up, people would be like, oh, yeah, the Māori ash. <laughs> and then my friends who knew me, they'd be like, which ash? <laughs> like, the Māori one. No, the one that's in Kapaka with you guys. And they're like, she's not Māori. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, she is, because she's in Kapaka. And they're like, that's not what makes someone Māori. Mm. I mean, yeah, cool, we love her and all that. But, you know, she she is a Pacific Islander. Like, her mum's new way and her dad's someone. And they're like, what? And they're like, do you never, do you never think about her last name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if someone never read it mm. like on a paper written out and just heard it you could probably yeah oh yeah it's probably spelt with a wh not an f like mm. but yeah that that pretty much was once I joined Kapaka I yeah I found where I had really kind of just like started to come into my own where it was just like I'm okay like I don't I don't necessarily have to be a certain way to be accepted in this group no and those were my biggest fears with trying to learn anything about where I was actually from and and participate in the groups that you know my family were from and I was just like it is what it is. This is this is me. I like doing this. I like jumping up and, and putting on a pew pew and, and having the poi. And, you know, I wasn't the greatest, but I loved it. You know, it gave me a, a way to express myself. And definitely now as an adult, when I think about it, all the things that I would have liked to have done to connect to my own culture, Kapahaka gave me that outfit. Mm. Okay. we are from cultures where we pass down our history and our stories through our song and dance and I was able to do that by being a part of Kapaka group mm. <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, and that and that's really true. So I'm gonna um I'm gonna touch on a few things that you mentioned. And through conversations, you're a big reason why I'm gonna start looking at 
our indigenous people rather than just Māori because like you said you being Samoan and Nguyen and having that loss of connection to your own culture but finding who you were is in, in, in the old Māori is something that sort of helped you to grow and want to know more about your culture and so there's a lot of similarities between your story and for us as Māori so like you um, so I was born and raised in Rotorua sort of the center of, of Māoridom and I I moved into the Rumaki units at about seven for my grandparents but over the years so when I first started school everyone called me by my full name so Iriarangi when I was five and I first started school the first thing the teacher did was shortened it and my mum was there so they, they did that in front of my mum and my mum was very adamant that no one was able to sh shorten my name and they were to call me by Iriarangi and as my as mum left to go home straight away they went to Iri and so from then my name was shortened since I was five um, and my mum mm. has been very adamant that no one has ever called me Iri because my name comes from my grandmother her mum and there's a lot of power and there's a lot of mana in my name and so like you going through school and knowing when the teachers would get to my name on the roll and just going yeah that's me because I didn't want them to butcher my name and so it was always Pakia teacher would sit, stand there with the role and straight away I knew they would try and they were trying to figure out how to say my name. So rather than them butchering it, I just, yeah, that's me. I'm you, you, you can't say my name. So or my friends got to the point where they were like, yeah, she's over here. So it, yeah, it's one of those things that is it's it's a really common similarity, I think, between all indigenous cultures. Mm. It's um, our names are changed. Like if we think about the Asian community, when they come here from China or something, they have their beautiful Chinese names, yeah. then they become like Bob and things like yeah, that. Or Jane. Yeah. So their names, yeah. which have no relevance, no meaning whatsoever, all of a sudden we change our names in order to fit in with a world that just doesn't want to try. And so for you... Yeah, like you, it was it was real heartbreaking whenever I knew someone wasn't even going to try or they would try, well, not even try, they would just say it in whatever way they wanted or felt like they wanted to mm. say it without even second guessing, oh, maybe I should ask how to say it or just, yeah, just, just asking for help to say it. And so for me as a teacher now, one of the biggest things I do as a teacher is I make sure that I continuously ask the the child how do I say your name until I get it right and sometimes it yeah, takes yeah. weeks for me to get it right but I will constantly stand there or sit there and say remind me how, go remind me because I, mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to have my yeah, mana yeah. taken away from me there's a lot of mana that comes behind names and there's a lot of mana and the reason why parents called you that name and so I'm a massive believer that names have meanings and so if you're not going to say it properly then don't even bother Again, it's not just Māori who have to go through it. It's our all Indigenous people who have to suffer those little simple things. So you mentioned that Kapaka was sort of your avenue to, that sort of directed you to eventually want to find out about who you were as someone and who you were about Nawean. Obviously, like you said, Dad was very fluent in someone. Again, similarity, our, my grandparents refused to teach their kids Māori. 
So same with your your parents. Neither of them wanted you to learn someone or Nawian. So it's one of those things that I think because we're trying to fit in and we want to make sure our family and our kids are able to to live in a white world. Yeah. We keep those away from like our traditions. We try and keep as well, well that we used to. It's very different. Times are changing now, which I'm loving. But it was one of those things that back in those days you had to try and fit in with the white man's world. So for you going into Kawaka, I love because growing up in Osurua, before moving here to Tamaki to Auckland, I never knew what a Samoan was. I never knew what a Nawaian was or a Cook Island or a Tahitian or anything like that because they were all, to us, they were all Māori. They learned yeah. that they were Māori. They did Kawaka with us. There was no difference in cultures like you. They fitted in with us so well. And so we mm. just... They were just welcomed into the whanau as another one of us. And so moving here to Tamaki was a huge eye-opener when I actually learned what a Samoan was, what a Nuweyan was. There's actual differences between them. Yeah. The language is different because all my Pacific Island friends at Rosadua, they spoke thrill. So we, we didn't know any difference from getting to my question. With Kapahaka, if you want to talk deeper into how that now, how that transitions or transforms the way you viewed your Samoan and Nguyen cultures in order for you to want to find out who you were? I guess where, when I look at it, I think about it in, in the bigger picture. So although a lot of, I guess, where, where I'm from and, and that identity side of it did start to come up during Kapahaka, when I look back on things, um, I really feel like it started once I got into education. Mm. And the reason I say that is because being born and bred in New Zealand, Māori is incorporated in the education system. Yeah. And so I feel like from the get-go, um, you know, just whether it was like one or two songs that you learn throughout the school year and then that was a continuation through my schooling. And so the natural progression into kapahaka um, in terms of, I guess, that next level of Māori, but also for me as a Pacific Islander, being able to find a way that felt right to um, express and communicate um, and so being able to do those things together during high school and then finishing high school coming out of it and then not really having that access to doing it anymore mm. was a bit like well what why did I like it so much you know like what was it about it that really kind of you know hit that point for me or you know got me in that oh yeah like this is what it is mm. and um you know I look back on on things like the different um kayakal that we had and the different things that we would learn from each of them and that that knowledge that history of being able to pass these things down um I feel like that um, is a bigger concept is, is what for me was like 
that's what it is yeah being able to learn something and know that it's a part of you know history um and I guess how I look at things is even though I'm not Maori I'm a New Zealander and so I take it proudly as this is something that I've learned as you know the the native um, people of New Zealand because when I moved here to Australia I guess my my naivety was that because Māori had uh, become something that I was used to seeing and being a part of and embracing in New Zealand that when I would come here to Australia I would see the same thing for Aboriginal people and it's not yeah very different yeah very very different and so I think also in seeing that really kind of kicked me in in the gut of like well you want to know more about where you're from you want to you know the things that you've learned about the Maori culture and that and, and the things that you want to know about your own culture well what's stopping you Mm. you know I've had many different conversations over the years with different people and and I've spoken about how how much love and how much pride I have for the Maori culture Mm. and they're like oh yeah but what about like your Samoan side and your New Wayne side like and I'm just like for a long time I would put it down to oh well I wasn't taught it Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I'd say probably more so in the last maybe two to three years I've yeah, I've turned that around and I'm just like yep I may not have been taught it back then but there's nothing that's stopping me from learning it now yeah I know and, yeah and so that's where where I am I'm now on that journey of I might not learn the fastest, I might not know everything, but mm. I'm actively learning so that I know for me and then what I learn, I can not only pass it on to my siblings mm. and the next generation, but there are even some things that like conversations that I'll have with uh, my aunties and uncles, you know, like my my mum's side and they can be really heartfelt, deep conversations about identity and that yearning for for knowledge and and just belonging. Mm. And I think that that's the big thing, belonging. Um, so yeah, that that's that's where I'm at. That's where I am currently. Nice. That's and that's really beautiful. And just. Um, yeah it's it's one of those things that we've got to find on our own sometimes and Mm. one thing that I always that sort of makes me mum my in regards to the next generation especially the next generation of Maori there's less and less real or history being passed down the lines now because we're now in, in third fourth generation urban raised kids whoever moved to the city for like out of their family back whenever it was for whatever reason 
lost connections back to their whenua, back to their whanau. And so now we're raising kids who have absolutely no idea of who they are. And so part of my job and in my current school is I, well, when we're out of this red light setting, I will get every single Māori student in my school and I'm not teaching them te I'm teaching them about what is so beautiful about our culture and teaching them to be passionate and to love their culture. And because, um, yeah, and so the thing that always makes me mummy is unlike our Pacific Island whānau, who still have the real at home. They speak someone in the house and then they go to school and speak English. Our Tukalo and Fano, they speak their language at home, they go to school and learn English. Whereas for us as Māori, the real is not in the home. It's it's very rarely in schools, unless you've got people who are passionate and who are pushing and driving it in the school. Unless you go to a kurakaupapa, it's really at, at, at an actual mainstream school and so you're like like I was saying you yearning now to find where you like your identity and you're longing to know who you are as a Samoan woman as a, as a Nawayan woman and the fact that you've been on this journey now for two years I've as much as I was raised with my grandparents we lived on the Almarai without with my grandparents we were raised by them being named after my nan I spent literally every school holiday with her with whether I wanted to or not so I had my grandparents inputting into me and speaking and passing down history and all of that sort of stuff our bedtime stories were karakia were chants were whakapapa it was our history that my my grandfather my karawa would would those would be our bedtime stories but it's only been in the last I'd say eight years when I've finally started wanting to know who I was as Māori because I went through the schooling system where as much as I was in Rumaki, that was cool, but we were still questioned. Like I remember being questioned by some of my friends who were Māori in mainstream, like, why do you even want to learn that? Like, what's the point of it? Even teachers saying, like, like mainstream teachers, Pākehā teachers would say, well, what are you going to do with that language after? There's nowhere for you to go with that language unless you're going to go on a radio station and speak and, and be one of those those radio announcers. Like, that was that was how, like, yeah, it was just really hurtful to know that even as much as they were okay with our speaking thrill, they still didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and so my journey was a very frustrating one to find where I fitted in in the world because, like you, I was a very white Māori. So I was too white to be Māori, but then I was too brown to be Pākehā. Mm. So I, my features come from my Scottish side. And, and, my, and I remember going to different final things with my queer, and they would say, oh, yeah, she's got that Anderson look. She's got that Scottish looks. Yeah. So I, I didn't fit in anywhere. So it's the last eight years when I was like, okay, who am I? Where do I fit in? What do I want to do? But it's more so the last... I want to say eight months where I've actually found who I am. So as much as I was raised in the Māori, I, I still felt like I didn't belong. More specifically, where I finally stepped into all my mana and I stand unapologetically as my 100% full true self. And I know mm. who Iriarangi is and I know where I've come from, who I am, who, who I belong to. And I now... I allow my tūpuna to guide me or everything I was taught 
I now use that 100% and I pass that on to the next generation. I absolutely love sharing how I was raised and I love sharing my knowledge. And when I teach, I teach from experience. I teach from what I saw my grandparents doing because that's yeah. what I know. As much as there's a curriculum that we've got to stick to, for me, it doesn't fit us as Māori. Mm. I'm just plonked into this one box and I, I will say that for our Pacific Island whānau as well. The education system isn't created for us brown people. Mm. No. And for us as Māori, we are very hands-on. We, we, we've never been limited. We've learned through stories, we've learned through songs, we've learned through um, doing our whakairo, going hunting. And so that's how we pass on our knowledge. And so for us to have to sit in a classroom now, is mm. hard and it's why people don't understand that for our mind Pacific Island kids, it's why they get classed as behavioral kids because they can't. Yeah. Sit there. Because sitting there for them isn't how we learn. We've got to be touching stuff, we've got to be moving, we've got to be playing, we've got to like, or you get classed. This is how we learn. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a real beautiful thing to know that you're now on your journey of finding your connections and, and your identity or your tuakiri as Samoan and as Nuweyan. Where I was leading to in all of this was where do you want to be say in about five to ten years in regards to you and your identity as Samoan as Nuweyan? I thought about this today <laughs> um, you know and like because I'm I know there's like you know the the normal kind of answers and so forth but I really wanted to to be honest about where like what that would look like in terms of maybe like an achievement or something that would make me feel like I've been successful in my journey and so um, you know one of the first things that popped up in my head is I'd love to have a full-on conversation with my dad and just someone like to I mean, even for me growing up, sometimes there would be, you know, I'd, I'd make one or two Samoan friends and they knew how to speak it. And then it would be like, oh, do you want to come to my house? And I'd be like, okay, sure. Like, and then I'd tell my dad, like, before we went, dad, there's Samoan. And he's like, okay. So we get out of the car, he'd go straight to the dad mm-hmm. and then start talking in Samoan. Like, He'd introduce himself and everything. And whoever my friend was at the time, they'd stand there and look at me like, I thought you didn't speak someone. And I'm like, no, my dad does. Yeah. So to be able to converse with him, um, you know, and even some of, like, at the moment, I know that um, some of his aunties and uncles um, are still with us to be able to, you know, sit down while they're talking. Um, I know there is an auntie of mine who used to live here, um, but she's now back in Auckland, but I would um, try to jump on some of the family calls uh, and she would see my face because even though at the beginning they'll like, they'll say, oh, it's okay. Like we'll stop every now and then to let those who don't understand know what we're talking about. But it wouldn't happen. (laughs) And so, yeah, she would, you know, she'd try to pause and and just tell me like, oh, they're just talking about this. And Mm -hmm. to be able to 
you know, in five years' time, just turn around and, and be able to respond to her and, and just jump into the, the conversations. Um, I think that would be, yeah, that would definitely be a, a huge sign of, you know, success on my journey to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, my mum's side, my new way inside, I definitely want to be able to go home. <laughs> Um, and see where my grandmother is from, where my grandfather is from. Um, so far, uh, so they, my grandmother came across when she was a teenager. She went back once when I was maybe like 11, 12. Um, and since then, she she's passed on. But Yeah, so she only went home that once. Uh, Two of her children went at that time, and I think it was maybe two of her grandchildren. So to be able to go home to where she's from and just be able to see, you know, where she spent her childhood, Mm. um, be able to partake in some of the traditions and stuff like there on, on that land, I think would be that would be huge yeah those are those are really cool goals and aspirations for where you want to be and 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 the growth you want to have achieved and so I really look forward to to seeing your growth in those areas and to have another conversation with you and and say five years time and and say how's it going like how's your journey (laughs) and just see where you're at and all of that, it would be super cool to, to have that conversation with you. Just for me, like I like I said, I use myself as an example because that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I use experiences that I've gone through and stuff like that. And so with my daughter, she's she just started high school this year. And when she was younger, she knew specific things only in te reo Māori. Mm-hmm. So things like manu, Awa, and so there were so many things that she only knew the Māori word for and she didn't know there was an English word for them and and so when she was about two or three uh she went to kindy and and a manu flew past and so she was like oh a manu and a teacher was like what and she was like a manu and she's like and the teacher was just like no that's a bird and the teacher just kept correcting her and saying, no, it is a bird, it is not a manu. And so from that point on, she refused to use any reo. And she refused to say anything in te reo Māori, or, and she didn't want to know anything about who she was as Māori. And this was a, a little two-year-old. And so obviously when I found out, I went into her kindy and ripped into them for forcing her to change who she was and to change her identity. And the fact mm. that that teacher there was making her st- was forcing her to stop using her native language Mm. and so it's only been in the last I want to say two years three years when she's finally and I left it and I wanted her to find it on her own so the last two to three years she's come back and wants to know like she's wanted to know who she is as Māori and to learn to speak the real and so this year she started at Ngāpuna or Waiwaurea and so it's a real beautiful thing for her to be there and so she comes home now and she goes mum I can understand what Pa's saying the fact that she's now able to understand what her teachers are saying and so the principal Pa um, he only speaks to the kids in Thrill 
which I think is an awesome thing. The other teachers use English and Thiril, but for him, he will only speak to the kids in Thiril. And so the biggest thing I've ever taught her, and it's what I teach everyone, is you pull out the words you know mm. and piece the rest of the sentence together. Yeah. And it's the best way to, to learn or to understand what someone is saying. And so that's why I'm really excited for you and to see your journey in, with learning your Samoan language and also to, for you to go home to Nui. And I'm, I'm, it's quite cool because at the school I'm working at, so I'm working at Fabana Primary. And we have... Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I've always worked in South Auckland. I've always taught in South Auckland. I love it. We have two our uh, two Nuean units, so two Nuean classrooms, which is so beautiful. Because I, from what I know, the Nuean language is one where it's not really, it's not as strong as the other cultures. And, and, and yeah, it's really, it's really hard to find um, any type of like learning for it so I know that um, there are more um, opportunities to learn the language coming up in Auckland um, I tell you when I moved here me trying to find something oh, oh. my god <laughs> I'm like, why I don't understand and I'm just like this is because you didn't like wake up to this when you were still in New Zealand like <laughs> oh but I mean, yeah, like it is one of the, oh, what's the word? One of the more scarce languages um, to really kind of find anywhere to, to learn it and, and be able to have that dialogue. I um, My mum's younger brother, uh, he lives up in Sydney. Um, he was married for some time and he was married to a new way oh, and wow. so he was oh, able wow. to pick it up through daily conversation with her um every now and then he he gives me a call and then he just tries to jump into it and like hang on wait 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 <laughs> slow down and i do or i try to do what you were saying you know like words that i'm familiar with i try to pull them out and piece together what they might mean as a sentence mm. And then he's like, oh, you know this, niece. And I'm like, shh, like, you're rushing me. You're trying to, <laughs> like, you know, and you're pressuring me. And because you're pressuring me, I can't think. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I'm just trying to let it connect the way that it needs to. Um, also, my, so my dad's current partner, she is also New Wayan. Oh. And so every now and then, because uh, she's fluent, um, I'll jump on the phone and I'll, I'll be like, can you just ask me some questions? Like, <laughs> not major ones, but just, you know, a couple. So I can try and just figure them out. And I remember even um, in the last kind of couple of years before my grandmother passed, we were starting to try and do things like, you know, there's a function on everyone's finished eating. So all the kids are lining up to do the dishes. And then we'll be like, Grandma, yell out some words and we'll guess what it is, you know? <laughs> and then so we're trying to figure it out. And then it's like, no, you already said that for this one. Like, <laughs> and so yeah, just just off the back of what you were saying, I was just like, yeah, like all of those things just kind of dropped in and I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's the Vangaho Nui is quite an awesome, like it's a quite a beautiful language to listen to. So mm. I'm I'm pretty privileged. So I I'm one of the PCT mentors. So I have my the BT I oversee, he's he's running our senior Nuean class. So he's mm -hmm. Nuean Māori, and so he's just recently started learning about his Nuean culture. And so he has uh, a lady who comes in to take the Vangaho Nui for him in the afternoons. And so he sits there and he's learning with the kids as well. But just listening to her speak and listening to them having conversations uh, is, is really beautiful to hear. Because it's one of those languages that I've never really, I've never had the chance to really listen to. And so yeah. I like the fact that I'm his mentor because then I can just pop in and or stand at the door and just stand there and just listen to the to the deal <laughs> while it's going. Um, but yeah, we're quite we're quite privileged to have a junior Nuean class and then a senior Nuean class. My heart space is just like bubbling, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> you have started your own sort of like foundational business and stuff like that which we've sort of had a little conversation around but I wanted to get you to talk about your raw foundation that you you run okay um so uh my business name is raising our authentic royals um and for some reason when I started it I just I knew that I wanted the acronym to be raw. Um, I really felt like this, like gut instinct to be like, I want to be able to actually like, yeah, like raw. <laughs> and, um, and I think it was, uh, it was like an awakening for me. Mm. Um, and so, when it all kind of fell into place through a lot of things going on. So it really pr probably came together um, probably about this time last year where um, I knew that I wanted, I wanted to learn more about myself, but I wanted to do it in a way where I could also share and just being here in Australia, um, and being away from, I guess, that uh, Polynesian network that you have back in Auckland, um, I wanted to find a way to start building that and, and strengthening it. And so I wanted something that was strong in terms of the name um, so that it grabs, you know, your attention. So, you know, someone's like, raw. What, who's roaring like what are they roaring about what <laughs> um and so it also gave me an avenue to bring all these thoughts and ideas that I had under the one umbrella mm. so um the I guess the three main pillars um of, of my business and, and what I um and it, um, attempting to, to bring together for our people is self-development, spiritual development, and small business development. Mm -hmm. And to break it down a little bit further, um, 
so in terms of self-development, um, you know, whenever we kind of get into, how would I describe it, like these funks that we have as humans, especially as islanders, um, as Polynesians, as Māori, is, um, yeah, just that like lack of sense of self, um, you know, that um, sometimes it's a, a lack of self-confidence, a, a lack of just inner knowing. Um, and so I want to be able to start to really work on these things with people, um, which also kind of moves into the spiritual development as well. So they kind of go hand in hand. And the reason why I say that is for us, our people, our culture and where we come from has a lot to do with that self-awareness, that identity. Mm. And so it's working, when I say spiritual, um, I think a lot of people initially think of it as like, oh, okay, like religion. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm talking more about, um, I guess as Māori would say, wairua, you know, mm. your spirit, like, you know, your your ancestry, your genealogy, that bloodline, like yeah. all of that from way back when leading up into the now, mm. um, you know, working on on understanding your, your own history, um, your own um, your own family's voyage, their journey, and being able to work that in with your own journey in, in the respect of, say, for example, um, like for myself, um, as I have been, how I said, you know, I, it was like this awakening. So things were kind of going on professionally and personally for me. And one day I was just like, oh, like I've had enough. Like, mm. how can I, how can I get out of this? Like, what is it that I am looking for? What is it that is really kind of getting me to just look at things again and, and look at it where I can turn around and be like, okay, this is where I start working. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it was actually this particular room that I'm sitting in. I had moved myself out of uh, the room that I share with my husband and I had brought myself in here, had pulled everything else out and was almost like I was in my own little kind of cave. Mm. And um, I really sat with myself and just just thought about what it is I wanted and, and how I could go about um, making changes for myself and so yeah one of the biggest things was I, I wanted to know who I was and it wasn't just who I was as in the woman here today it's who was Ashley that you know was born in New Zealand who was Ashley that um, you know is the oldest of six children who is Ashley that came from her mother who is from Niue know who was actually that came from her father who was from Samoa and it was looking at all of those things 
and what they do as they intertwine and kind of get stuck in with each other and then you know hello here I am yeah um and so that's that's kind of like what what it's been the past year where I've been really peeling back those layers and and learning different things about myself and and I guess uh you know not just personality but the way I may handle different situations and also looking at how does that work in terms of you know a, a cultural aspect like is that due to you know my environment or is it due to you know something that has continued through coming down you know through the generations and yeah it just yeah and it just grew and grew and I was just like oh all this stuff is like I love it I'm on this journey and I want to be able to help other people start to look at that and you know the first things that really kind of stood out for me were like okay well how does one start to do this Mm. and I'm just like well the biggest thing is yeah like of course anyone can be like oh yeah like I'm from this country like that's where my grandparents came from or you know that's where my mum came from and, and whatnot but then it's like well what are some little things that we can learn along the way as we're peeling back those layers um you know things like I never learned the Nguyen national anthem until my grandmother passed. Wow. You know, I still don't know the Samoan national anthem. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, so these are the little things that we can be doing that we could be, you know, taking in and not only teaching ourselves, but also our children, uh, you know, little things like, I don't even know the days of the week. Mm. you know and so it's like just these little bits and pieces that you know some people don't think anything about and others are just like you're kidding me you don't know that like it's bringing them to this point of we've got the information we can start to create those resources now let's start also putting it into action Mm. these little things that you pick up along the way and as an individual you know, your, what's the word, like, you know, you're, you're a seed, and you've been planted, and now you're watering yourself, you know, just these little bits and pieces, and then as you start to learn more about it, and you start to grow, your mind grows, your heart grows, like, and then it all just to really flourish, and yeah, like, that's, that's how it all <laughs> So yeah, the the self-development and the spiritual development going hand in hand. The small business development is probably the part where it's a little bit left field in comparison to the rest. Um, And the small business development came about because for me, um, I've spent years in the um, customer service and recruitment industry. And so, you know, I, I know how to work with people, I'm very good with all the behind the scenes stuff and putting things together. You know, admin is my jam. (laughs) When things happen like that, when people want it, they're just like, oh, somebody ring Ash. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm the go-to person that does it. And so I was like, well, yeah, you know, our people predominantly 
are not that way inclined for stuff. Mm -hmm. They have the ideas, they have the creativeness, and they can do the actual work and, you know, do that side of it. But they're not necessarily um, either one uh, that way inclined in, in terms of like, you know, oh, I don't want to waste my time and energy on it. And others are just like, eh, no. Yeah. And so I'm just like, well, that's, that's where I come in. Um, so I specifically target my business uh, for our people. Mm. So, you know, and it's when people message me and they ask me, they're like, oh, well, what are you doing? I'm just like, well, what do you need? Yeah. And they're like, oh, so you don't do anything in particular? I'm like, well, it depends on each business. Yeah. I was like, one person could want me to do everything back end. Another person might be just like, oh, I just don't want to deal with like having to do the emails and stuff and writing the documents and, but I'll do everything else, you know? And so for me, I'm just like, I'm not in this little box. Yeah. I just say, whatever you need help with, let's sit down and let's work it out. You know, it may be that it's not even me that actually is a person that ends up helping you in the long run. I could just be the one that connects you to the person who's actually going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, your your business sounds really amazing. And I love your three um I can't remember what you called them. Not like pillars. <laughs> yes. Your three pillars. Like I really love them. Yeah. And it's real interesting that you mentioned that when you say spiritual, people automatically go to church or religion mm. or um something that's got like has nothing to do with us traditionally. Yeah. Like, yes, traditionally as Māori as Pacific Islanders, we've always had that spiritual connection, the mm. way connection. But it wasn't necessarily how people view religion now. Because yeah. our connection to the Wairua was so strong that our people were able to do so many things. And so if you think about Māori and Tohunga and their abilities. And, and so I remember stories when I was little and even my brother, like my brother and I, we have amazing conversations about Del Māori all the time. And I remember him and I having this conversation around the fact that our tipuna as Māori have named every rock on the moon mm. because their ability and, and something that I sort of only thought about the other day and I randomly thought about it but how if, if you know um, Dr Strange the Marvel mm. movie and so if you think about how he his wairua gets disconnected from his body as Māori we used to be able to do that back in the days like there were there were people who would disconnect themselves from their tinana, their wairua, and they would go with their wairua. And so every rock on the moon has been named, and it's got a Māori name, because our tūpuna mm. did that. They they took their wairua to the moon, and they've travelled around it. And But it's stuff like this where people start looking at you crazy. Yeah. Like, but for us, traditionally, our people, yeah. our Polynesian people, we're very much spiritual people. It was in until missionaries arrived and the Bible was introduced that all of a sudden our our traditional ways of thinking were sort of squashed over and we were told that no, this is how things are. And, and in the Bible it says this. Uh, and then even if we think about the way 
our roles as wahine and tāne. There was no difference mm. in our roles. Our women were just as strong and just as like held up as vangatira as our males. Again, yeah. through the introduction of the Bible and missionaries, and then it talks about a woman must submit to her husband. Yeah. Our people have now gone into this idea that women don't have the right to do things. But traditionally, we do. Like yeah. there is no gender difference back in the days. Like everyone had their role to play. Everyone, they had been given different abilities and different skills. Mm. And, and so like for my line, my mum's mum, so my namesake, and then her great-grandmother. So her great-grandmother, her name was Mahi Kiteo. And so she's carved above our doorway because our, um, our Noi because when our warriors would return from war, they would go to her for her to remove all the mummy, all the pain that they they went through in war. So she was the healer. She They would go to yeah. her. She was the matakete. She was able to foresee things. Um, and so she's above our doorway because it means that every time we walk into our whare, she's covering us and she's releasing us from all the mummy that we're about to, that we are carrying at that point in time. So she's purposely above our door. My queer, my namesake was meant to take over and she was meant to be the next one in line. From the story I understand is she witnessed or visioned something that freaked her out as a little girl. Hmm. So she refused to walk in that line. And so my queer running away from what she was meant to have been, like what she was meant to have stepped into, coming down to me, I'm meant to be the next one from her. And so there's a lot of things that I've, over the years, I've sort of got to the point where I stopped sharing stuff that I knew or I saw. Mm. Because again, people would just say, no, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's not possible. And so I've, I ran away from it as well. My brother, his eldest daughter, her middle name is after our great-great-grandmother. Her middle name is Mahikiteo. And so mm-hmm. since she was born, her and I, our wairua connection has been very tight. And so that's the real realignment of her carrying the name of our great-great-great-grandmother, who was the healer. Me carrying the yeah. name of our queer who ran away from us. So now our white our yeah, yeah, we're rejoining and we're reconnecting that line that was broken. It's so interesting when people when you go spiritual and they're like, yeah, to church. It's like, nah, there's so much more to that than you actually know. Yeah, but I totally resonate with what you were saying. Um, the first time it really like popped up for me, and I could tell like. I was really passionate about it. Like it was just all kind of flowing. Um, but my friend and I were having a discussion. So we'd gone out um, and had done like the sunrise meditation. And we were just sitting there after everyone else from the group had kind of gone and we're just having a discussion and religion had popped up. Um, and we're both Pacific Islanders. And so it was just like, okay, this is gonna be interesting. Um, and yeah, she had just kind of mentioned about how um, she was a little bit worried about some of the things that she shares, um, because of course there were a lot of people around her that are very religious. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I don't know. It just came up, and I was just like, so like people remember, right? That 
we were colonised. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, who did our people believe in before the book was brought to our islands? Yeah. And she was just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, we had our own way of doing things, yes. you know? I was like, where are all these legends from? Yeah. You know, these things yeah. that were passed down that we tell our children because that was the way of life. Mm. I was like, you know, I think also that's another reason why I like resonate so much with Māori as well, because, you know, all the different gods. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. So, you know, as Polynesians, like we may not remember all of them and stuff because we probably haven't passed it all down, but we would have been very similar where, you know, you would have prayed to someone or, or done some type of offering or something to, you know, go out and fish and bring that food back in for your family or to plant on the land or, you know, things like that. And so for me, I feel like now where I am in life, I'm just reconnecting back to my ancestry. <laughs> so all the things that, you know, I probably would have learned if I was on the land mm. and living that way of life, I'm now seeking it because my soul is like, hey, uh, we um, need that. Yeah, 100%. And that's yeah. the thing, like, we did things because we thought that's what we had to do. Yeah, like, was, like that was the expectations put on us, which is the same when we think about our identity and stuff. Is we we become these people that people expect us to be, mm. and like there's that saying when or there's the thing where you are one person when you're amongst one group, and then you're someone else when you're amongst like all these different masks and and trying to make sure you fit into that group and fit into the one over there and all of this sort of stuff where like when you are fully finding who you are, you realize actually I was none of that stuff. Mm. Like none of what people were expecting me to be is that's never been me. I just did it for that person and, and that one. Yeah. And yeah. yeah but when we find when we truly find who we are and we find our own identity not what anyone else tells us to be that is the beauty because that's when you start shining most my journey of finding myself and my journey of finding who the hell I am not what my family told me to be not me trying to be this person over here or whatever but who the hell was I like it just my confidence has gone up a hundred times more my love for myself is like yeah. so like it's so beautiful like I am a hundred percent me and nobody can count, tell me any difference because my love for myself is all that matters and if anyone's so true yeah and if anyone's going to love me then they've got to love me for who I am not who they want me to be I guess just to wrap it up with one last part though with one last question which is words of encouragement to someone who is on the journey of finding their who they are and their identity of who they are. I'm like, I've got these words in my head and I'm trying to form a sentence. <laughs> and it's it's like something to the effect of like, like we're the authors of our own stories. Mm -hmm. And so 
you can't be mad at other people if you're the person writing it. Yeah. So if you're the person that's writing it, you're the one that's going to go out there and be like, okay, well, this is how I want it written. This is what I want to happen in my story. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true and such an awesome way to finish. E te hihita, mai a hau ki a koe e tenei wā, nei rā aku mihi mai o hā ki a koe, i runga i o kōrero pono, i runga i o kōrero mai i tō ngāko, mai i tō manua, hei whakanui i a koe anō, uh, hei whakanui i a koe, hei, hei wahine Samoan, uh, hei wahine Nuean, hei, hei, hei wahine toa. So just from me, I'd love to, I just want to thank you for sitting with me today and just having this conversation of, and opening your heart up to me about um, your journey of becoming your true self. It's been an amazing corridor and again, I just can't wait to see your journey continue to grow, who you are to continue to grow and you flourishing in 100% your true self. So many beautiful things about you and so many amazing things that I can't wait to see come out of you to help not just your people, but to help all Indigenous people, um, not only in Australia, but here in Aotearoa and even to a greater extent the world, because what is inside of you is something that so many people are searching for. And it's the genuineness of your heart that is what draws people to you. So I, yeah, again, I, I'm just speechless about the beauty of who you are and just thankful that you, you've you come into my world and you've allowed yourself to open up to me. Even though we we, we only met through the NFT world, which yeah. is, is a beautiful journey as well that we're on at the moment. But I, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for opening yourself up to me to, today. It's been such a great corridor and yeah, everything about you is is there's so much beauty and there's a there's a light that shines from you that is very powerful and the mana you stand in is going to change so many lives so again from myself to you i i just want to give a massive mahi to you tonight yeah thank you